I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, and with this set of videos, we are beginning the study of 2 Peter. So we have just finished 1 Peter in the previous set of videos. We're now beginning 2 Peter. For the sake of continuity or context, we believe it's appropriate to move to the second epistle after we finish the first. So that's where we are in 2 Peter chapter 1, and I'm not going to cover all of the verses I'll read now. I'll read verses 1 through 11, and then as you can see on the slide, I'll study with you verses 1 through 4. 2 Peter chapter 1, again, our reading will be verses 1 through 11. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the reading of 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. May I begin with a few introductory remarks. Some of these remarks equally apply to 1 Peter as well as Second Peter. For example, the writer, the Apostle Peter, Simon Peter, 
a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. So far as we know, the recipients are the same, Christians sojourning in Asia Minor. Over in chapter 3 and verse 1, the writer says, this is now the second epistle that I write to you. So the same writer, the same recipients. The time and place of writing we cannot determine with any degree of certainty. As to the theme of 2 Peter, it is not identical to 1 Peter, though there is a connection. 1 Peter was written to sustain and instruct suffering Christians to provide guidance and encouragement through the severe trials they were undergoing. This epistle touches on those matters, but seems primarily to be written to warn the Christians in Asia Minor and put them on alert against false teachers. And I say that because of what Peter wrote at the beginning of chapter 2 that is developed from there to the end of the letter. Notice with me 2 Peter 2 and verse 1. False prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. As we go through Second Peter, keep in mind these observations. The writer, the apostle Peter, the recipients, Christians in Asia Minor, the primary theme to sound the alarm, there will also be false teachers among you. Let me go back now and take you to the first verse of 2 Peter. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Simon Peter identifies himself as a servant, a bond servant. This means one who gives himself wholly to the will of another. I hope this is true of each of us, that in our obedience to the gospel, we gave and we are giving ourselves completely to the will of God through Jesus Christ. And that in our lives, we are continuing day after day to make progress in that giving of our minds and all of our behavior in submission to the will of God. Because of the victory Christ accomplished in his death, we can be forgiven of our sins and give ourselves wholly to the will of God. We can be bond servants. Simon Peter also identifies himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. We cannot be apostles of Jesus Christ. We were not witnesses of the resurrection or baptized in the Holy Spirit as described in Acts chapter 2, but we can be bond servants, servants of God. Peter was among those selected men 
inspired to deliver the truth of God that we have in this book. He addresses his original recipients as those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. English Standard Version, a faith of equal standing with ours. New King James, like precious faith. Uh, New American Standard updated those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. Now, reference back to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 5. There is one faith. If you read and study and believe just the word of God and you act accordingly, you have the same faith as others who are doing the same thing. Peter and those with him were people who had adopted the same standard, the one faith. He is writing to people with that same precious faith. The apostles did not have a faith different from ours. There is one faith. All of this is made possible and available by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is called God, which affirms his deity. Righteousness was achieved by him in the perfect and permanent sacrificial sense. We can become righteous when we obtain the faith, act on it, and add to it. To those thus addressed, Peter issued the customary greeting of goodwill, grace, and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our God. A few moments ago, I took us over to 2 Peter chapter 2, where I made reference to the alarm sounded by Peter concerning false teaching, false teachers. That danger cannot be addressed cannot be confronted without obtaining faith and using the knowledge God provides. God provides knowledge about himself, about his son, knowledge about what our response should be. Peter desired grace and peace for his fellow Christians in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. I'm always impressed the more I read the Bible how much truth is expressed in only a few words. Human, uninspired writers tend to be verbose. I see that trait sometimes in my own writing. Apparently, some writers think more of the quantity of words than the quality of the message. Solomon referred to that in Ecclesiastes 5. In the multitude of many words, there's vanity. It's refreshing to find in just a few words such great necessary truth. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory 
and virtue. New American Standard, by his own glory and excellence. We're going to talk about God and what this passage says about God when I come back in just a few seconds. So we are back now here in 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're here to consider God's generosity, his power, his sufficiency, and the means by which these good things are conveyed to us for our response. God's generosity. Consider the word given. His divine power has given to us. In the New American Standard and English Standard Version, granted. When there is giving, when there is a grant, there is generosity. And that word generosity is interesting. The prefix is gen, and that's the root of a Greek word that has to do with bearing, begetting, producing. A genealogy is a record of those born of a certain family. The book of Genesis is about what God produced. The word gentleman has to do with the behavior polite, mature men produce. So the idea behind the prefix gen is to produce. In the human reference, generosity is what you produce for the good of another. Now, here's the marvelous thing about God. Everything God produces is good, perfectly, for our good. God is generous in the highest sense of the word. And this affirmation about God is one of the earliest things we learn about him. In Genesis 1.31, God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Every product of his creative work for our good. God is generous in the highest sense of the word. One of the classic statements affirming this is James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Do you realize everything on earth that is good can be traced back to God? Everything that is evil has another origin. But with him, there is no variation or shadow of turning. Never a time when God is not doing good. No shadow of turning. The father of lights. No casting of any dark shadow. God displays perfect generosity. His divine power has given to us, granted to us in Christ. We receive a grant from God. We receive it by the activity of our faith. God's power, his divine power, in order to survive or to excel on the human level here on earth, there must be power in your career, your marriage, your home, your money, communication, transportation, physical health, 
in order to survive and excel on the human level here on earth, there must be power. And in our time, we say about certain people, he's a powerful man. It's a powerful institution. She holds great power in her family. So we all acknowledge that power has a place in life. Now, in our text, we're not talking about power on the human level on earth. Divine power. God has the strength to do whatever he desires. He holds ultimate perfect power, always well-directed by his wisdom. In fact, there is no competition, no rival to his divine power. Impulsively, someone might argue that sin is the ultimate power. Well, while sin is powerful, it can seduce and entice and capture and hold us. Sin is not the ultimate power. God gave the gospel of Christ, which is more powerful than sin. Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power God uses to save us from sin. If we will take the gospel and receive that gift and apply the remedy, repentance and baptism and faithful living, sin finds its defeat. And we would then be able to say the glory and the power is from God. God's sufficiency, reflected in the phrase, all things that pertain to life and godliness. In the New American Standard and New International Version, everything. God gives physical life. God gives spiritual life. God supplies everything necessary for us to be good, godly people. So this is about God's sufficiency, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Our modern translation in English says, everything we need, make a list, everything we need, instruction, motivation, warning, promises, everything we need. God doesn't say, here, I'm going to get you started. I'll give you a little piece of the puzzle and you can you can do what you can with that. No, his divine power has given to us everything we need. This is God's sufficiency. And we ought to relate this obviously to Christ and to the word that we have that provides all this good news. The sacrifice of Christ is sufficient. His example is perfect. His intercession, his leadership, perfect, requiring no human supplement. Did you know? Did you know you can take the Bible by itself and be a Christian? In fact, you can take the Bible by itself, but don't let anything else interfere. Don't take the Bible plus something else. That'll interfere. Just take the Bible and you can be a Christian. You can read the Bible without commentary, creed, or communicate from men and just be a Christian. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life 
and godliness. And then this verse also tells us of God's means through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and excellence. In some translations, the last word in verse 3 is virtue. God gives us all we need. God grants us power over sin. He gives us exceedingly great and precious promises. He does that through Jesus Christ and through the knowledge of him. That's how we become recipients of all that God offers. Though we have sinned, God says he will forgive us and bless us and save us after death through the knowledge. We have to embrace the knowledge and act on the knowledge. 1 John 2, 3 tells us, by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Same thing in Philippians 3, 7 through 11, where it talks about, Paul talks about knowing Christ, knowing God. That's knowledge that translates into behavior from the heart toward God based on what God has granted. Peter says, Peter says of God the Father, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now we could stop here. For we have enjoyed access to marvelous truths about the creator, his generosity, his power, sufficiency, means his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. Just this verse informs and motivates and enables us to be what we ought to be before God. But look now at verse 4. You have a purpose phrase. You see the purpose phrase? So that through them, through all these things we've been talking about, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Second Peter 1, 1 through 4. Thank you for listening. These are brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas.